Hey, Spotlighters, Mike Cam here, the coolest guy in title insurance and your host of the Morning Spotlight Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We have a great guest that I know is going to absolutely blow you away. If you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button and leave us a review. And remember, when it's time for you to purchase title insurance, there's only one guy you should be calling, and that's me. Check the show notes for my email address. And let's get this train rolling and start the show right now. Coffee for today's episode of the Morning Spotlight Podcast was provided by Spotlighters Faith Williamson and Chris Vaglio. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. On all the Spotlighters out there, if you want to support the show and keep us caffeinated, go to themorningspotlight.com and click Buy Mike a Coffee. This is Alex Sanfilippo, founder of Podmatch.com, and you're listening to the Morning Spotlight with Mike Ham. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cam, coming to you as always from the Spotlight Studios here in Morristown, New Jersey. My guest today is the host of the top-rated entrepreneurship podcast, Creating a Brand, and the founder of Podmatch.com, a free service that matches podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. He is Alex Sanfilippo. Alex, welcome to the show. Mike, thank you so much for having me. It's it's an honor to be here with you, man. I love your branding. I love the focus. love the, the name of the podcast. You just do some great work here, man. So I'm really excited to be here with you. I appreciate that. Uh, the focus sometimes can be a little bit all over the place, but <laughs> I, I think that's part of the focus. I mean, as you can see, I'm a little bit all over the place. So that, that works. It works. So, uh, but you got the whole, I mean, you got the nice, the, the tailored looking shirt. You got that nice clean background. You got the cool mic. So you're obviously a pro at this, right? So how long have you been in the podcasting world? Yeah, I've been in it for about uh, closer to five years. I was going to say four years, but I think it's closer to five at this point that I've been in podcasting and, and just started off using, I'm holding up my phone right now. I was using my phone to record when I first got started. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And, uh, and yeah, so I started from there and just have kind of worked my way through and started speaking at the conferences and producing a better show. And have really just enjoyed the journey along the way. Podcasting is something I'm just so passionate about. So was it always creating it? Was that your first show or did you do a different show at the, at the outset? So I've had three, two of them are still going. So the first one, I think I called it something like digital coaching sessions with Alex Sanfilippo lasted about 12 episodes and it was bad. I actually found out how to delete that from the internet archive. That is gone. You can't find it anymore, Mike. Wow. So don't go looking for my bad content. Um, and then I actually started. You know I'm going to go looking. I mean, yeah, I yeah. probably if won't you... find it, but if I do find it, I'll let you know after <laughs> yeah, you I send probably... it to everybody that I know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You you owe it to me and to yourself to send it out to everybody before you tell me you found it. Um, <laughs> so the, the second podcast I started, which is still going, it's just a monthly show. It's about 15-minute episode, just me talking. It's actually for a faith-based Christian blogs. I just talk about Jesus for about 15 minutes a month on this podcast, and I release that the first Monday of every month. And that's just been something really low-key. I've done it with that blog for, I guess, over four years at this point now. I've been doing that. And then the, my main show, the one that's like the business side and what I really do every week, now twice a week we're releasing episodes, is creating a brand. And I started that two years ago. Gotcha. All right. So what were you doing... Do you have like a nine to five job? I mean, I know you're big in the entrepreneurship thing too, which we'll get into as well. But was was the entrepreneurship side of it the reason why you started with the podcast? Or was there like, a? I mean, 
I would, I would assume that the podcast that you talk about Jesus once a month is not necessarily specifically focused to your business. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I could be wrong. I, I'm just guessing. Um, but the other ones, are they connected to things that you're doing beyond podcasting? So yeah, first off, podcasting doesn't bring in a lot of money. Let's just, let's just call it what it is, right? Yeah. Podcasting, like what you're doing being on your side of the mic is so much more difficult than what I'm doing here. Like you're, it's a labor of love, man. Like there's no way to say that. So um, I actually came out of a 15 year career in aerospace. So for a long time, I was actually working a corporate job, which was a nine to five job. And uh, it wasn't, I didn't even leave that till after I started creating a brand. So, but that was like my big focus for a long time. I knew I wanted to get into something more in the entrepreneurship realm and yeah, so I started creating a brand, and a year later is when I actually exited. When I started working on on Podmatch, uh, the company that kind of goes along with the the actual podcast itself. Aerospace. So were you like an astronaut? Man, you know, I should have given you the the disclaimer that I give all the time. I, I wasn't an astronaut, wasn't a fighter pilot, wasn't a skydiver. I worked behind a computer, oh. and uh, and yeah, basically, right. I ran what was called. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. People are like, oh, he was an astronaut. I'm like, I've never, someone once asked me like, have you been in the moon? I'm like, what? I've never left from behind my computer. Like, so I, I ran a commercial operations division, which is a fancy way of saying I controlled the company's profit margins and processes. So I ran five departments that just made sure everything was running efficiently for a really big organization. Gotcha. W was that the only job that you had prior to this entrepreneurship journey that you've taken on? That was my only like real job. Real I did job. some, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. when I, when I was younger, yeah, I had some other things, but that was really, that was, a, I mean, I consider that to be a career. Yeah. Well, 15 years. I mean, that's yeah, a, that's I hope a so. long time. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm four years into my actual job and I would consider that a, that a career to for a sure. Degree. Um, so what, what made, so I'm always, I've had a lot of entrepreneurs on the show and there's my demographics of this show is are people between the ages of 25 and 35. So some of them are entrepreneurs. Some of them are interested in real estate. Cause we do a lot, a lot of real estate on the show because that's the world that I'm in. Um, others are like, you know, they're on, uh, people that are in corporate jobs and looking to get out and maybe do something else. So at what point in this, uh, career did you say, Hey, this nine to five corporate, you know, showing up, clocking in, clocking out type thing is not really for me. I need to go do something on my own. Like at what point, what was the impetus behind that? Yeah. So it's actually a really fascinating story, Mike. It actually happened at year 10 of 15. So everyone can do the math there. I stayed five years longer than I probably wanted to. Um, disclaimer about the job though. I actually really enjoyed it. The day I finally left, it was bittersweet. Like I, I really ended up loving it. I learned a lot from it. It never was it something like, I hate this job. I want to get out of here. It was just one of those things I knew wasn't going to be forever. And year 10 is when that happened. And it was actually a very specific experience that made me realize that. So at that point I was in a, in a position that I didn't really enjoy as much. So it was, it was kind of tough for me anyway, but it was the same time that we actually, I say we being part of the management team, we sold the organization and we, it got bought out by a huge multi-billion dollar organization that added a lot of structure, a lot of money to it, which is great for the company. I actually ended up helping me really enjoy it more. But there was an experience around that year 10 when I was in that job and it just got sold where I could no longer feel like an entrepreneur, even though I had a nine to five job. Because I firmly believe you can be an entrepreneur and be in a nine to five job, no problem. Mike, I'm sure that, I mean, I can just tell by getting to know you just a little bit, you're definitely, you're that type of guy for sure. Yeah. And, I, it's one of those things where like, so I work a corporate job, but I'm in sales. And I do, all, that's, that's literally almost the definition of an entrepreneur. I don't get right. tips on how to do my job. This I do as part of my job. It's a supplement to what I do to kind of grow that network, uh, grow some different contacts, get out in front of some different people. And I started during the pandemic last year. Um, but that's just one of the things like you need to be creative, think outside the box, figure out how you're going to get your message out. Because like, ultimately, while I do work for a corporate job, I am in sales. So my livelihood is based on bringing in business. And 
it's not, I don't get a salary or I, I mean, I do get a salary, but it's, you know, a small base salary. And then I kind of go from there. So, uh, but yeah, so I, I appreciate that you looking at me and thinking that I'm an entrepreneur, but you're right. Good. Very astute of you. Thank you, sir. Um, <laughs> so back with that, like here's, here's the experience that happened. So I still felt that way. And I did something with, within my organization. There was five departments I was overseeing and we saved a lot of money. Again, profit margins were something that I helped control for the company. And we did this like tweak, this little incentive that really like just bumped up our profit margin in a certain division of the company. And I was psyched about it. I was like, this is like a huge, huge win. I went straight to the CEO who I was directly reporting to, sat down, like, look what we did over the last quarter. Like, check this out. This is un unbelievable. And he's like, yeah, I saw it. And he, he didn't, you know, didn't say anything at first. I'm like, okay, like, well, that's pretty good. You know, like yeah. I wanted to kind of get some sort of feedback from the guy. And, uh, he said, he's like the, the shareholders are furious. I was like, huh? I'm like, this is money. We, we save, we made more money. It's in our pocket. And apparently in a publicly trading company, if you don't tell the shareholders you're going to do that, they can't sell stocks for as much as they potentially could have. So they were mad because we did more than we said we were going to do when our job was to estimate and be accurate to that estimate. So they go out and sell more stocks next time around. And that was the first time that I realized, uh-oh, like my creative freedom to be an entrepreneur in this business isn't here anymore. Yeah. And now like it was simple, things started changing where it was like once at one point in time, I could on a Monday have an idea and on Friday, all of my departments could be trying it. If it didn't work, we'd revert back and we'd try right. something else. And now it was, okay, here's your idea. Let's submit it to the board. Let's submit it to the shareholders. Let's talk about it for a while. Let's have a few more meetings about it. Let's meet with our parent company. Like all these things, it was like six months to implement something that used to just be, we could immediately hit the ground running. Yeah. And again, bittersweet the day I left the organization. But at that time, I was like, I think that I need to leave this because this is not going to be for me long term. And that's kind of when I started. And yes, that was five years was a long time before I actually left. And I'd say the first three years, I just kept on running into, to, for me, bad idea, bad idea, poor execution, couldn't find anything else that could work for me. So I was kind of stuck there for a little bit, or at least felt that way. So you were trying other things in that initial three year span, uh, and then eventually, I guess, figured something out, right? So, right. so it was nice to have like that fallback of being in that corporate job while you're trying to figure things out. Did you ever think that maybe because you were in that corporate job and you were trying those things that ultimately did not work, that maybe you couldn't put the time and effort that they needed? Or was it just something more so that you were like, well, I just, you know, it just wasn't a good idea? Yeah, Mike, there's a lot of things right there. <laughs> um, I think first off, it gave me, it did give me a wrong mindset of what I'm doing doesn't have to work. Right. So it was, it was a side hustle, right? Everything else was like a side hustle at that point, but it didn't have to work because the corporate job was there. I was doing very good. I mean, even my last year, the, the, the final year of my, that was at that company was actually my best performing year of, uh, that I ever had and my departments. Like we, we, it was insane. So like, I never like, I was not being pushed out. I wasn't doing a bad job. I didn't hate it. So the first problem I'd say I have was, oh, I don't really need this to work. And if you don't have that mentality as an entrepreneur, it's really hard to make anything really work for you because you're, you don't feel like you need it. And that was probably my first and biggest mistake I made during those first three years. Right. Yeah. That's one of the things like when I started this job, uh, selling title insurance. So I came, I was a college baseball coach prior to this job and now I sell title insurance. So as you could imagine, that's like comparing apples to hippos. Like it's like literally not even in the same ballpark, Right. but yeah. I, I had to do it. And when I started it, it was like a new thing for me. It was trying to figure it out, like figure out what, what, what I was going to do, how I was going to operate. And I always, I like kept trying to figure out ways that I can do maybe like baseball lessons on the side or do this on the side, because I didn't want to really dive into this job a hundred percent because it was new. 
I didn't have any meetings. I didn't have any clients, which meant I had no deals, which meant I had no money. So I was like, well, this job sucks. You know, like I had really no help. So it was just trying to, once there was at some point, I forget exactly when it was, but I realized that I needed to try to jump into it a hundred percent. One of my favorite quotes, and I'll hit you with it. It's a Gandhi quote as told by Mike Ham. It's if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. So if you're going to do something, you got to be the biggest, most badass version of that thing that you could possibly can be. And I think that's kind of what you're saying, right? Is that like, because they're doing like their power washing my building right now. So I don't know if you could hear that or not in the background, but uh, a little bit, <laughs> oh, great, <laughs> very professional. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to do something, you got to go all in. And, and that's, that's what I did. And eventually, you know, kind of progressing through life and getting myself to here, that's kind of what happened. And now I feel like I'm fully invested in this job, doing a lot of different things like this podcast to help grow my business. Man, that, that's such a good point. Actually, it makes me think of a, another episode that you actually did on your podcast. Um, I think it was called tearing out the tags. It was oh, with yeah. B Evans. Yeah. Um, which by the way, for anyone listening, if you have not heard that episode, go back and find the one with B Evans in it. Really great. I think one of the things that held me back was if I looked at my person, this is kind of from that episode a little bit, so I don't mean to like double share here, but oh, please. if I go back and look at my personality, every piece of it, like on paper, if I go like and do all those personality tests, I'm a great corporate employee. And I think that having that mindset really also held me back. So not only did I feel like I didn't need to leave, but also part of me was like, ah, oh, maybe I maybe I shouldn't leave. Maybe this is just what I'm made for. And uh, I could have used B's episode with you about five years ago, man. So thanks a lot for being so late. Yeah, but um, no problem. <laughs> but no, it was really like really that point is so important. It wasn't until I I removed those labels for myself of what I could and couldn't do that I was actually able to make a transition. And mentally, was really the first place that I needed to move. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you listening to the show too, but I, yeah. I definitely think that's a great point because a lot, I mean, so B was, is my co-host uh, for a daily podcasting room that I do on Clubhouse. So that's how I knew her. And then I was like, well, why don't you come on the show just because we talk all the time. So why not let's dive into the story a little bit more. Um, so I'm glad that you listened because, you know, thank you. And I'm glad that it helped because that means that the stories and stuff that I'm trying to get across to people are resonating. So what was the first thing that really like you, after those first three years of trying, of dabbling in some different things, the, the, what was like maybe the first thing entrepreneurship wise that actually clicked and you were like, oh, I might, I might've, I might've figured this out. Yeah. So I, I hated a lot of things along the way as well. I should mention, like I, I started doing some web design and I, it took one bad client for me to realize this is the worst job ever. And some people are great <laughs> at that and more power to you. Keep up with it. I'm like, this is terrible. Cause that person was like, She's like, ah, oh, could you move that over like one pixel? I'm like, what? Like you already paid me. I thought we were done. <laughs> like anyway, so there was things that like could have succeeded in that I just really didn't like. And it wasn't until I decided to start the creating a brand podcast. And I started that because I wanted coaching as an early entrepreneur who wanted to leave my job. And I wanted to speak to those people. So I brought in professionals, free coaching for me, and also to be able to help in encourage and impact other people. And man, that was like, that instantly clicked. Like as soon as it, I, I launched that podcast, like people started listening, I started learning. It gave me a new mindset that I needed to have. And I realized that podcasting was going to be the space that I could do something in because I also immediately felt the passion in that space that I had never felt anywhere before. And that was just a real, a real moment of clarity for me. And so that happened in July, 2019. And from that day forward, like I knew, okay, this is when I'm going to be on that journey. And that was during the last two years uh, of being in aerospace. 
Okay. All right. So yeah. So I think that's very interesting because you talk about how, you know, you just start this podcast because you want to learn from other people. And that's just seemed to be like, you know, I've had other people on the show that have said that exact same thing that yeah. are podcasters that do that. Like they want to have, they want to be an entrepreneur. So they have on entrepreneurs, but they want to be a real estate investor. So they have on real estate investors to figure out like how to do it. Um, and I think that one of the things that I think is interesting with that is that you mentioned earlier um, and I would definitely agree with it that podcasting is not necessarily a lucrative business unless you're like on in the upper echelon of millions of downloads somehow per <laughs> right. episode. Um, I'm not there. You might be there. I I'm mean, not. so more power to you if you are. No, um, I'm but not. yeah, I certainly am not. You know, I gave someone some some podcasting advice. Uh, you'll you'll appreciate this. They asked me how they become a millionaire by just podcasting. And I gave them some great advice. I'm like, okay, you haven't launched the show yet. Stop trying go become a Hollywood A-list actor, then launch your podcast. Guarantee you'll make a million dollars as <laughs> right. a podcaster. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. My favorite, so are you on Clubhouse? Yeah, oh, and, I, and I've attended some of your rooms, yeah. Oh, okay, there you go. So on Clubhouse, I've had instances, because I do that daily room where people come in, and I've told this story on the show before, where somebody will come in the room, they'll come up on stage, and this was you know early on when I was doing it, and I was getting like, 50 downloads an episode, which is solid, you know, for a newer podcaster. Oh, yeah, and they'd be like, well, I'm getting 10,000 downloads an episode and I'm really unhappy with the growth. Can you help me? And I'm like, <laughs> do you want to switch seats with me and you run the conversation? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know anything about that. So those are always the great conversations to have. But right. um, so how did you start to build stuff around the podcast that could actually generate revenue for you? Yeah. You know what? It's funny. I actually ended up starting, it's, I shouldn't say it's funny. It's funny now. It wasn't then, but I did the same thing I was doing for those previous three years of having bad ideas. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'm learning a lot from these people. Let me try this. Let me try doing some coaching with it, which the coaching kind of worked. I just knew that it was gonna be time for dollars. And that's just didn't want to be in that business. And then I tried doing an online community. I tried all these different things that technically could have worked, but they just, they just didn't. And then finally I had a guest on his name was Dane Maxwell. And he talked about how most entrepreneurs, now there's some that are very creative and they can come up with ideas that people just love. And Mike, between you, me and your audience, guess what? I'm actually not that creative. Like my ideas, people don't really like them that much. So instead of coming up with ideas, he gave me an alternative solution, which was, he said this, he said, Alex, find an area that you're passionate about podcasting. And he said, now talk to the people that are in that space and find the problem that they're having and then offer a solution to that problem. So it's passion and then you find the people, you find their problem and then you offer a solution to that problem. And when you can put those things together properly, you can build something. And that was another light bulb moment for me. Like when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I'm going to stop trusting my own ideas. Instead, I'm going to talk to the people in podcasting and find out what on earth are you struggling with? What seems to be the problem for you? And can I help you with a solution? Now, it, you know, obviously you can't help every single person, but when I talked to at one point, a hundred different people and all of them said something almost exactly the same, then there's some merit. There was an idea that I could actually run with. And it really wasn't until I did that, that anything ever had traction. The podcast was doing well. It was growing in a very healthy pace. So I was happy with that. But that was kind of it. Like the monetization side was at zero until yeah. I could figure out that, you know what, I need to find a problem to offer a solution for from people that I really care about. Right. And then that's one of the things that even me, I mean, like I'm happy with the growth that my show has seen over the last year. Um, but at the same time, like my revenue from this show is zero directly related from the show is zero. Right. Um, maybe peripheral from getting insurance deals or whatever from people that I've had on the show or putting content out and getting stuff on the back end. But 
I think that's like a, always like a very interesting concept because people have all these different opinions on how to monetize podcasts and how to do that. And we have a lot of podcasters listen to the show, so maybe we could talk about it. Um, like there's a variety of ways. Like I think people just get stuck in that mindset of like, well, I need to get sponsors and it has to be a CPM or a CPR model and that's it. You know, and like, right. the, but that's not it, like, right? No. That there's there's plenty more that you could do to help to start at least start the process of monetizing your show. For sure, yeah. And most people, if you really properly niche down in a podcast, it, like you're starting one, you found your your niche properly. There might not be more than two thousand people that ever listen to the show. If that's the case, and you have a sponsor and advertisement in your show, you're never going to make enough money to even eat just based on that one principle there. And so there's got to be an alternative solution. Like, again, if you have the downloads for it and you want to do those things, like you can do a combination and that can work really well. But for me, especially with people that are just starting out, what, who is the audience that you serve? So find those people really niche down. And then what solution can you offer them? So at first, I don't even think you should monetize. Just talk to the people who listen to your podcast. If you can talk to 20 or 30 people who listen, you can learn a lot yeah. and then build a product or service off of that. So if everyone's like, oh, this is a, it's, I don't know, a dog walking podcast and some pet owners are really self-conscious because their dog barks at every dog that goes by and they get they feel really weird about it and maybe someone makes a, a i don't know a pdf about like how to train your dog to stop barking when it sees other dogs i'm not a pet owner so what i've just said is probably completely ridiculous but all i'm saying is if you built a solution like that and your listeners said they're already interested in it now they might be interested in downloading that and then from there you can sell them something now you have built trust with them now they might be interested in saying oh they're offering a weekend course if i go here with my dog they will actually help do the training that might be an interesting way to monetize a podcast. Right. Yeah. So I, th like you said, there's plenty of other things. What are some other pain points that, you, that you've that seen uh, that you were discussing before, like figuring out ways that you can take a pain point and turn it into something that you could actually provide value back to people? Yeah. So the, the big thing that I found that reference when I heard 100 people say the same thing, they were in podcasting. I was actually speaking at a conference. It was PodFest uh, in 2020. And Mike, I don't know if you remember this, but back in the day, the good old days, we used to go to conferences, like not, not in your, your room and not in front of the computer. You used to physically go, you did this thing called shake hands, high five, hug. Those are yep. all things that, um, you know, cavemen used to do back in the day. I was day, big but, on like the, this one, then you bring them in, you give them oh, like the back slap, me too. Like the bro hug, I think it's called with the double uh, back tap. Whatever it is, I freaking love that. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is, I do remember that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. That was I, fun. I, I, I pray that we're coming back to it, but anyway, yeah. that, that's another conversation. Um, well, this is not a political podcast, everybody. But uh, so I, um, I, I was getting on stage about 2000 people. And I told my wife, I'm like, when I get off, I'm going to ask these podcasters what they're struggling with. And so I got off stage and it doesn't matter if you speak really well, or if you don't like, regardless, people are going to line up to talk to you because that's just what people do. They're all very nice. And so I actually ended up talking to a lot of people and a hundred of them said the same thing, which is Alex, I'm having a really hard time finding the ideal guest for my show. I can find people that will be on it, but I can't find the right people. Like I can get my mom or my cousin, but like the right person has been hard for me to find. And that was in the moment that I realized, you know what, this is right after I talked to Dane Maxwell, as I just kind of gave him credit, I went home with that and I said, okay, what can I do in this space? How can I somehow serve these people? And that's when the idea for, for my business that I now run my, my software as a service, my SaaS startup called Podmatch. And basically what we came up with is, could we make an online dating style app, but instead of connecting people for dates, we connect podcast guests and hosts for interviews based off all these different criteria points that they have. And that was a solution that we set out to, to solve. And that's how I've been able to monetize my podcast, if you will. And guess what? I don't even have an advertisement on it. It just comes up organically in my show almost every episode. Right. And that's done better for me than anything else I've ever done. Yeah. So let's talk about Podmatch. So it's 
like you said, it's a, a guest to host matching site. So what makes it different? Because there are others that exist yep. in, in the internet, on the internet, on right. the web. Um, so why is Podmatch different than the other ones? Yeah, funny thing here. When I launched Podmatch and had the idea for it, nobody had launched yet. Apparently, we all got the same idea at the same time, which I think is really funny because I was like, this is so original. And then we launched, I'm like, dang, three other people launched in the same week. Like, what is this mess? You know? So, um, but hey, that means we all have a good idea, right? And right. at the end of the day, some people look at that as like, oh, that sounds competitive, but there's millions of podcasts. So any of us would be very foolish to think that we could support the entire industry ourselves. So actually, I consider us all co-educators. We're helping people understand these services exist. So what we're different is we actually do true matching. No, the rest of them are more of directories. I'm not talking bad about them. They're, they're great for what they are, but we actually have a matching algorithm based on 40 different pieces of criteria. So everything from availability, from language, to topic, to what you talk about on your bio, to anything else. I mean, there's so many things. I can't even get into all of them. The idea is, hey, let's make sure that the match is as close as we can get it to ideal. And uh, from there, people can message each other in the platform. The idea was just, hey, let's offer the solution, the problem we heard. And that's that's the one we were hearing. Right. So uh, so how does the process work? So I actually have it open like right here on my on my other monitor. So you sign up, you're either a podcast guest, you're a podcast host, or you could be both. Mm-hmm. And then is it a paid service? Is it a free service? Uh, do you provide any like instructions on how to like best set you up to get on the right shows? Yeah, so the setup process is is quite a bit because everyone on both sides, you're creating a profile for your podcast or a one sheet for your guesting profile. So both those things can be, there's quite a bit of information that you have to fill in for us to actually do the matching. And it's like anything else, you get out of it what you put into it. So if somebody's just like, I'll fill this out later and they type that in, the system's gonna have a hard time matching you with somebody because uh, it doesn't really know what that means, right? So, but when you're done with it, it has a public facing profile for both people. So you can actually use it like for lead gen, bring people to your Podmatch account. But Podmatch has a free base and there's a paid option. But the way we put it is that about 90% of people are great with the free version and it works for them. Now, if you just launched a book or if you have like a daily podcast, then you're gonna wanna go with the paid membership because you're gonna want a lot more people on your show, or you're going to want to be on a lot more shows, at least temporarily. So um, those are kind of our two tiers. And the whole idea goes back to like, we wanted to offer something for free, because we wanted to be able to really serve people that were in podcasting, or people that wanted to get their voice out and and heard by the world. Right. So is this was this also something that you had to contend with when you were doing your show and trying to find guests and get them on your show? Was it was, was it a pain point for you as well? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially before you launch, because you have to get guests before you launch, right? And convincing somebody that I was going to start a podcast wasn't really an easy thing to do. Um, now, and once I launched, I, I found those people that gave me a shot, but then it was just right back to it. Like it was difficult because I launched and I, I did 13 episodes before I launched. So I had 13 weeks to find people to agree to be guests. And that was, that, I mean, you, you remember those days. That was not easy. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I did not launch with three or 13. I launched with one. I, I had oh. literally no plan. I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. And then I had never listened to podcasts. I had never, I didn't really do a ton of research. I asked a friend of mine who's like a singer for a screamo punk band if this <laughs> mic that I bought was good. And he was like, yeah, it should be fine. I was like, all right, great. We'll pick that one. You know, so it was like, that's how I started. And then I went uh, a few weeks doing an episode a week and every now and then would add in a second episode. And then eventually I was like, I need to start getting ahead of this because I had one where I had a panel episode because I started out a lot of panel, a panel uh, shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a panel set up to record on a Thursday with the episode posting the following Tuesday. Somebody canceled from the panel and then everybody else dropped out. And then I was like, 
oh my God, I don't have an episode to post for <laughs> oh, this no. Tuesday, which is like, you know, everyone tells you is like the cardinal sin of a podcaster. Like if you miss a week, you might as well just close up shop. You'll never, you'll never you're get done, bro. Again. Forget yeah, it. You're, you're done. So I call a buddy of mine who's like a networking guy. He's, you know, in the business world. I was like, we need to think of an episode. Like you need to come on Monday. We need to record something uh, because I need something to post on Tuesday. So we did the sales process before and after COVID, which actually did pretty well listenership wise, but I had to like edit it that night, Monday night. Cause I'm head chef and chief bottle washer here at the morning spotlight as well. So I do my all my editing, my marketing, the whole thing um, and got it posted, you know, the following the next day at 3 AM. Cause that's usually when my episodes uh, go live. Um, and I was like, never again. I'm like, I'm never getting yeah. that deep and like that close to a, a posting date ever. So now I'm, you know, a month or two out, which is just so freeing, you know, and I feel after so that, yeah, relaxed. Yeah, I mean, you're hours not a good away. experience. Yeah, hours right. away it was like to... under the gun. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> so like one month feels like years. Like, <laughs> yeah, just don't get too comfortable, man. You know, like, right. I can see, you know, like on a beach for like a month. and You're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, right. Don't call yeah. me if you hit that point again. All right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So that was, but that's, that was one of the things at one point I was a month out, but now Mm -hmm. I'm doing two episodes a week. So you don't realize how quickly you blow through that uh, pipeline doing two episodes a week. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, I'm good for the next month. Then I got three weeks in. I was like, Oh boy, I have one more week left and I have nothing in the, in the uh, pipeline again. So um, what, yeah. So that's just me. I I would not recommend my style to many people, (laughs) unless you're like, you're like me and you're just all over the place, then fine. But that, yeah, how I started, how I operate, the whole thing is not necessarily like on the up and up on how you're supposed to do things. You're you're doing a good job, man. You had me convinced. This is a great show, (laughs) but now you're scaring me a little bit because I just, this week I moved to two episodes a week. So now I'm a little bit nervous and that's probably not great for me to be on a show talking to people and being nervous, but here we are. <laughs> well, but you know what it is? It, and it's it, like, because you do two shows now, and I know one is monthly and then the other one is weekly, but you're two, doing two episodes now. I look at it as having two shows. So I have my Tuesday shows, which are my real estate shows. And then I have my Thursday shows like this one that are different. Like they're just other yeah, podcasters. Okay. They're, you know, other types of people that I just find cool. So when I schedule them, I basically have two columns on a spreadsheet with all the stuff that I have to do for each one with like check boxes and everything. And I just go down and I make sure that I'm ahead on each column. So like, as long as those are, are uh, working out in advance, it's all under one under the same show and the same heading and everything. But I just That's try smart. to operate it as two different shows and then just make sure that we're, you know, it's not like, Hey, I'm just going to bag a couple guests. Then I realize I have 15 real estate episodes and two non real estate episodes. Then you're screwed. You know, you got to get back on track. So, right. That's yeah. smart, man. I, I like that. I actually took a lot from that. Thank you. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, I don't know if you're, it, maybe you're doing something similar, different. I don't know. Yeah, but. They're two, they have two different focuses. So yeah, that, like, yeah. What, what you just spoke is, is perfect. That's very right. helpful. There you go. I like to provide value here on the morning it, spotlight. Man. So, um, so talk to me, I mean, entrepreneurs, I feel like, and there's always a lot of entrepreneurs here at this PodMax event. Um, they're always looking for new things like entrepreneurs are always kind of like thinking outside the box trying to figure out what else they can get their hands on uh what other kinds of things they could start is that are you similar in that way are you trying to figure out some new ways to try to get out in front are there any things that you would like to talk about that maybe you're in getting yourself involved in right now yeah i mean first off to speak to that like we've got to learn to hone that in a little bit because yeah like actually i have a certain a specific journal every day every morning 
I write down an idea because I always have like ideas in my head. And here's the thing. I won't touch 90% of them ever, but occasionally one hits that might be worth looking into. And that's a fun exercise, but we have to be careful at the same time, right? Like Podmatch is my main thing right now. And it's still early phase. Actually, we're four days away from our one year anniversary. And uh, I, I need to be careful and respect that and respect the members that are using it. So I, I can't just jump into all these different things. Now, with that said, of course, if something strategically makes sense, I'm going to look at it. So right now, actually, I asked the Podmatch members because that's my tribe now. And there's about uh, actually today we broke 12,000 people using the platform, which I'm very excited about. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And so I'm asking them like, hey, what else is what else is a pain point? What else are you struggling with? And I actually heard a lot of people. It's actually something you just mentioned having like your checklist of the things you do for every episode, right? A lot of people struggle with how to keep that organized, where to begin. I used to send out an Excel template that I had because I was using that for a long time, but it's not responsive. There's not a lot you can, you know, Excel has its limits unless you really know how to use Excel. And so I, I'd sent out to so many people. I was like, oh, I wonder if people would appreciate something like this. So I actually launched, um, it's in alpha right now. So I've got 50 people testing it for us, but it's called Podcast SOP. The SOP stands for Standard Operating Procedures. It's a glorified, pretty checklist that's online that you set up yourself and allows you to check off each step of the podcast. It's very similar to like a project management system, like a monday.com or Asana, where you can kind of have like due dates, who is, who's responsible for it, links in it and stuff like that. But it's all under one focus, which is releasing your podcast episodes. And so that's kind of like a new project that was just a random idea I had one day because I was like, oh, people are struggling with this. Maybe we could try it. And here's the thing. It's an alpha. So I got 50 people testing it. They could all tell me this is stupid. I would never use it. I would never pay for it. Right. And if that's the case, then I won't do anything with it. But it's an yeah. idea that I'm exploring and moving on with. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, I mean, I think it's a good idea because that's one Thank of you. the things that I did not have at the beginning right. uh, or didn't do because I was just like, hey, I'm going to do an episode. And then it'd be like the night before, which I still do sometimes. And I'm like creating like the marketing videos and the Canva post and whatever else that I'm going to do for that particular episode and writing the show notes, which I'm always like the worst. I'm the worst with writing show notes just as a heads up. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm not great at it either. Yeah. So that's, I'm actually happy to hear that. <laughs> right. It's like the one thing that I know I need to do better, but I just like can't get out of my own way with it sometimes. But I'll do my best. I promise. I we promise. started a podcast because we want to talk, not because we want to write. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I like doing the videos. I'll send you some nice videos after at the end of this. But Sweet. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, writing stuff down in a journal. So as an entrepreneur, and even with me as a sales rep and not really confined to an office or I can kind of do whatever I want, that's a blessing and also a challenge, at least in my opinion. I'm interested to see your take on it because it's sometimes hard to hold yourself accountable. So do you have routines that you kind of keep yourself on? Like, do you, you, know, you mentioned the journal. Do you do, do you journal? Do you do stuff like that? Mike, this is such an insightful question. I think it's such an important point that many people just want to skip because we want to talk about the uh, air quotes here, sexiness of entrepreneurship, right? I'll wake up whenever I want. I'll work whenever I feel like it. Like I'll stay up all night if I want to. And many of us, yeah, I mean, we both like that, yeah, right? Like, that <laughs> yeah. sounds sweet, man. Yeah. But at the same time, there has to be some self-discipline included now. If you worked a corporate job like I did, my accountability to wake up every day was not getting fired, right? Like eventually, like I had a good reputation there. But if I just was like, oh, it's 11 p.m. Better, or a.m. Better get to work. People be like, what the heck is wrong with you, man? Like that conversation would have happened. That built in accountability is like, I got to get to work so I don't get fired. <laughs> like that's just subconscious level. When Immediately when people shift to, to self-employed, I find the same thing happen. They're like, oh, I have so much trouble waking up now. Like I can't get myself to start work before 11. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, like, are you working late? No, I, I, I end really early too, because my friends want to hang out. Like I, I hear this conversation a lot. And for me, the 
when I first shifted, I was like, I'm not going to struggle with that. No, I did. Like my first few weeks that I was actually getting out of the, out of like the, um, the nine to five job, I realized I was sleeping in a lot more. It's because I turned off my alarm. It makes sense. Right. But I wanted freedom is what we all say. But the truth is I left because I wanted to start a business and serve a certain group of people. So I let them hold me accountable. I had to remember that like, no, somebody needs me to show up today. And that's when I started taking more seriously. I set an alarm again. And I started actually writing down, writing things down in a journal. And now I keep a daily journal. So yeah, I have a, like my idea journal is what I call it. But then I have like a daily journal where I, every day I'm reviewing my mission, my purpose, looking at those things, seeing what I'm doing, why I'm doing them. And then writing down the things I need to do that day to get closer to achieving those things or to better serve people. And by reviewing this every morning and every evening, I'm writing every morning, every night, looking at this, it's just maybe a all together, maybe a 20 minute practice a day when you combine it all. But by doing that, it's been able to help me stay motivated and self-disciplined to continue showing up every day to serve the people that I have devoted to show up and serve. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point because you are accountable, whether you like it or not. I mean, it's easy right. to think that you're not, but you are. Um, but the other thing too, that I, um, I probably should ask this at the beginning, but I don't know why, but I think it all <laughs> ties in um, to like what we're talking about right now is that I think also whether you're working a corporate job or an entrepreneurship job, I think that even though you have more freedom uh, as an entrepreneur or, or a sales rep or whatever you want to call it, I, I think you do have uh, while you have more freedom and more time, your time is also like sporadic. I, I think like when you actually do work, because, you know, if you go to a nine to five job, that's when you work. And then beyond that, you know, after five o'clock before nine o'clock and on the weekends, you can do whatever you want. You know, you're not hold, beholden to go to that office and do work all the time. So what are ways that you make sure that, you know, I've heard this before, like your cup is full. You know, like, like, how do you, you know, make sure that even though you are accountable and you are working hard to make sure that these things are staying profitable and afloat and everything like that. Um, but what are some things that you like to do? Yeah. I mean, another great question, because it's so important that we actually take time to fill ourselves up. When I stopped to evaluate what you're talking about here, I realized I was working 70 hours a week. That's way too much. And the reason I know that is actually still till this day. Now I clock in and out and that's not accountability to my team. There's seven of us in this company now. It's not accountability to any of them. The only person who sees it is me because I need to make sure that I'm getting my hours to a more realistic standpoint. So now I'm, I'm working closer to 50. My goal by January 2022 is to be at 35. And I did the math. If I just cut out 10 minutes a day, that's 50 minutes a week, um, then I can eventually get down to where I want to be. And I'm just right. going to do that. But yeah, it's so important that we not only track that to make sure, okay, I, I, first off, there might be people that are the opposite, like, oh, I'm only working 20 hours a week. That's a problem. But it's also a problem to be working 70. That's insane. Yeah. And, but balance. It, Life's all about balance. With exactly. Anything. Yeah. And what I was, what I was missing is what you're about was like really filling yourself back up, getting your cup full again. For me, what are the things that make me feel alive? I love spending time with my friends. I love spending time with my wife. I live very close to the ocean here in Jacksonville, Florida. Like going to the beach and playing games and sports out there is like my favorite thing to do. So I make sure that every day I'm working out because I love that. I'm going to the beach at least once a week. I'm spending time with friends. I'm going on dates with my wife, like actually doing those things and putting them in my schedule. Because I think the biggest problem we have is we assume we like those things. They'll just kind of happen. That is not true. When you get into entrepreneurship and you start seeing some success, you will devote so much time and so much energy to it. You have to keep the main thing, the main thing, this including filling yourself up. So you have to be intentional with that and make sure that you're really focused on it. So for me, I've just had to write those things down. And some days, like I write down three important things to do every day. Sometimes one of those three things is to take my wife on a date. 
And the other two might be do a great interview with Mike, right? Like these things might come up on the actual, on my list of things, but I have to make sure that I prioritize them just like I'm prioritizing the times I do work. I'm prioritizing the times I don't work. Right. And it's got to be hard to like starting something because in order to, because I'm sure when you started podmatch.com, you did not, I mean, I'm assuming this is, this could be totally wrong. You did not have a team of seven when you first put this together. No. Right. It was, it was Alex probably, right. It, it was, and so I have a business partner, 50 50. Okay. He's the developer, but I do everything else. Right. And day one, I'm like, okay, what do I do first? You know, like writing right. down the three most important things to do. I'm like, I don't even know what to do, period. Right. And so the first thing, like just to help, help people get started, write down, figure out what to do. That's the first thing that I needed to do. I need to figure out, okay, what the <laughs> heck is my first step? Okay, I should yeah. probably incorporate this business. I should probably draft up 50 50 partnership. I should probably make a separate bank account, right? You'll start figuring things out, but it's just a matter of getting your, your feet to the ground. But yeah, at first, you're doing all of it. It's tough to balance, but you have to find a way. Like your company might grow a little bit slower because you're not working 100 hours a week, but also it's not going to crash and burn because you just can't be involved anymore. You right. have to have that balance in there. Yeah. Um, when we're talking about, oh, I just had a good question. I think it just escaped me. Oh, uh, no. Damn it. <laughs> uh, we were doing so good too. I knew this was going to happen at some point. I was going to ask something about like, it was definitely about entrepreneurship, but definitely, whatever. Yeah. God, I'm so frustrated with myself now. It was going to be really good, I promise. Oh, let's just let's do goals and then maybe it'll come back to me. So what are some goals that you have for let's just we'll do pod match. What are some goals that you have for that? Let's just look at the next year and kind of see what what we're doing uh moving forward for that. Yeah, the, the big goal right now for it and again, we we actually listen to our members for everything. So they tell us what they want. They design the roadmap. We're very focused on making sure that we continue to solve the problems for the people that we care about. So we ask them what we should do, what they think would be great for us to implement next. And so right now, what we're really focused on is we have three small things left that people are asking for, which I'm so thankful for, because at first, we must add 100 things. And people are like, this would be cool. Now we're down to three. And we should have those finished pretty soon here. And then the next step is to implement a big UX upgrade, because we launched this thing MVP, minimum viable product. I mean, it was bare bones, no logo, no nothing when we launched. It's slightly better than that now, but it's about to be really amazing, because we've already started that project. So the UX upgrade is going to be really big. So we believe after that will be at a mature product. And then from there, it's just a matter of can we continue to, to grow and develop. So I mentioned earlier, we just broke uh, 12,000 members. The goal by the end of the year is to be at 25,000. And really, again, just to serve those people. And that's going to be our kind of our big focuses for the rest of this year. Gotcha. No, I think those are great goals. And I remembered my question. Um, so you talked about how you had uh, people on the show that were, you know, you were uh, learning from them about this entrepreneurship journey. Did you also seek out, I mean, I know you mentioned a couple of names prior that you've had on as guests, like seek out mentors. And is it hard to find mentors that could be in a space that maybe is like a new thing? Like if Podmatch is a new thing that doesn't actually exist, you know, prior to it, all three of you doing it all at the same time. Um, is, that, is, that, is that something that you did? Yeah. And at first I think I had the wrong mentality here because I was like, okay, maybe I need to find like a mentor that built a dating app because it's kind of similar to that, right? Like maybe I need that. Or maybe I need to find like a really successful SaaS founder, software as a service founder. And the truth is I just needed to find somebody that could help me keep my priorities straight and help challenge me to think differently. And when I kind of shifted that perspective of who could be my mentor, it opened up a little bit. Now you want somebody who understands the space, right? Like I don't want a guy who's still doesn't know the internet exists. Like, like that might not have been yeah. a good idea. Right. Not a good but call. Somebody who really understands at least how the business runs, how a digital business or software as a service will run was good. So in 
The other thing is at first I was like, oh, I should find somebody in person. It's just not realistic. And this past year has proven that it's not even required. So I just found some people that didn't even know they were my mentor. Like a perfect example is Michael Hyatt, somebody who I just learned a lot from watching from afar. I've only had a couple conversations with him ever, but the rest of it's me consuming his content and learning and finding the things that can really help out. Now, I do think that if you can find a mentor you can talk to, great, then then find somebody that you can meet with. And it's got to have like a, obviously a mutual beneficial relationship if you're not paying the person, like you have to be able to help them as well. But for me, I've done a really great job of just learning from people from afar and occasionally having conversations when I just really get stuck. But I owe that to my network as well. Like the people that are closest to me, they really help me a lot. I have a lot of great friends in my corner that I can really rely on. I tell them my goals for the week and we just kind of hold each other accountable. And that's a very helpful thing as well. Yeah, I love that. It's important. I mean, like I have mentors, whether they're title side or, or podcasting side. And then I do have people that don't even know that they're my mentors, but they are. And they don't even have to be people that are super experienced or whatever. They were just people that we talk to every time, you know what I mean? Or like we talk to sometimes and they've, you know, given me tips or that they don't even know our tips and I just use them to help level up the show. So um, this always happens to me at PodMax. Like I always get like the you know, the stuff at the top, like the little notifications, like two minutes left or like right. over time. And yeah, yeah. I don't even care. I just do whatever I want, but um, that's right. <laughs> Straight up, man. I love yeah. it. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So we'll, we'll got to move the show into our closing segment though, which is called under the spotlight. So the spotlighters have been listening to Mike Ham and Alex Sanfilippo talk for probably 45 minutes about a lot of stuff, entrepreneurship, podcasting, uh, all the things that you have going on. What is one thing that you would want the spotlighters to walk away from this episode with so you are under the spotlight? Yeah, it's it's a quote that I'll actually mention by it's by Stephen Covey, which is to keep the main thing the main thing. Right? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing is the way that he said it. And right. uh I might have the wrong quote of who said that, but regardless, <laughs> I think it's such an important thing to remember. Like now I'm blank on who actually no said that. No fact checking on this on this cool, show. Good. Do Someone's it. gonna be like, that was the wrong person. Regardless, the quote is the main it's thing. A great is the quote. Main yeah, thing, sorry, main go ahead. Thing. Yeah. And so I, I want to say that because so many of us as entrepreneurs, we we think about the wrong thing. We think about having a more free lifestyle where we can sleep in more, stay up later, right? Or how we can kind of get our hands into a bunch of different things and try all these different things. But really to succeed, you have to just focus on what the main thing is. Like, what is the thing that you're doing? What is the problem that you're solving for somebody? Hone in on that and make sure that at least, at least 80 or 90% of your focus is on that. And then the rest can be on whatever it is, right? Like leave some room for creativity and stuff like that, of course. But if you can learn to do that and hone in and really build your craft around that, I can promise it's going to serve you extremely well. I love that. Great under the spotlight. Uh, so let's hit them with the link. So if people need more Alex, where can they go to get more Alex? Yeah. So you mentioned podmatch.com. My podcast called Creating a Brand is at creatingabrand.com. And actually a really specific episode that I think might be a good follow-up to after listening to me and Mike talk would be an episode I did with uh, Greg McEwen, where he talked about the disciplined pursuit of less. And that's at creatingabrand.com slash 087 creatingabrand.com slash 087. I think it'd be a great follow-up to this episode. But man, really, your audience needs to hang with you. I love the show, the format. You're a lot of fun to talk to and really just ask some great questions along the way. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, and for the spotlighters, as always, I will put my website, themorningspotlight.com and the email address, themorningspotlight at gmail.com in the show notes as well, as long with all of, uh, as long as, uh, as well as all of Alex's links. That was tough to say. Um, and in case you want to go through me to get to him or vice versa, whatever. Uh, so spotlighters, I appreciate you listening. Alex, thank you so much for coming on. This was amazing. Mike, it was an honor to be here. Thanks so much, everybody. Of course. And everybody else, we will catch you next time. 
Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the Morning Spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.